what we want to do is we want to have really, really, really rich content. We want social and kind of media to move that in that direction so badly that we're willing to build that product and see who comes. Welcome to the Halftime Snacks. My name is Ronen Aimbin. This show explores the intersection between sports, business, and technology. Are you ready? Let's go! Joining us for a quick snack is a former lawyer who became a co-founder just two months ago of one of the most exciting apps I've seen in a long time. Zooming from Austin, Texas to Mexico City is an entrepreneur who's passionate about sports, technology and business. He's the co-founder of Colorcast, a platform that is challenging the traditional sports broadcast system by innovating in the commentary side of live events. His interests cover everything from finance, law, tech, sports and innovation. Buckle up for today's halftime snack with the one and only Evan Kirkham. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Welcome to the show, Evan. We actually met through Twitter. He found my newsletter and then he reached out because he thought it was interesting and he thought we should collaborate. So I'm happy we're here collaborating. I want to start, Evan, asking you a question that it might sound weird because it's basically starting from the end instead of from the beginning. But let's say we're, we're sitting 50 years from now. What's the life story you want to be telling to your grandchildren then? Um, got it. So, I mean, that's a pretty deep question. So uh, forgive me if my, my answers are, are equally amorphous and deep. But um, uh, I mean, look, I, I'd like to be able to say that, that my team and I built something that's you know, increased human interaction, in a, in a rich and constructive and hopefully deeply entertaining way. You know, I'd like to be able to say that I was unafraid to pursue my dreams and kind of step out into the unknown, quitting my law job and uh, jumping into the, the wild west of entrepreneurship uh, and all of that entails. And and I guess I'd, I'd like to say that I, I surrounded myself with a world-class team and not just was able to surround myself and, and motivate that team, but that, that they found what we were building, um, you know, deeply pro professionally uh, and personally rewarding. I'd like to be able to tell all of that to my, to my grandchildren. I'm sure they're going to be able to listen to this conversation and say, oh, Grandpa Evan, you said the same thing 50 years ago. That's insane. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, well, I'll make sure that we're listening to Halftime Snacks in, in 2070. <laughs> of course we will. Um, and I'm really curious to ask you because of your background, uh, very specific on law and litigation. And I want to know what are like three skills that you've learned throughout your career there that you can transition them into running a business in general. I think that probably the most important skills are um, writing and critical thinking. So um, I've I've always, and this is, you know, my own interpretation, but I've always thought I'm a, I'm a good writer. Um, but I certainly improved that uh, throughout law school and, and throughout my, my three years in the law. Um, admittedly, I was writing a very different, uh, t I was writing in a very different style. Um, 
you know, in fact, I think I was even on multiple occasions told by by the partner that I worked for that I was riding with a little too much zip or pop and a little less uh, rigid like I should be. But certainly I get to ride with as much pop or, or punch as I want now uh, for Colorcast. But, you know, communicating with clients, communicating with the partnership, uh, it helps me communicate with the team and, and ultimately with, with the end user. In terms of strategic thinking, I think that my time in the law helped me uh, kind of think, you know, multiple steps ahead. As a litigator, what you're trying to do is anticipate opposing counsel's move, sort of like a chess game, and make a move that's going to trap them when they move. And so I think that kind of long-term, uh, multi-step strategic thinking is something that I developed uh, more fully in during my legal career. And, and then this is also just a function of, of being a litigator, but... Um, I've learned that I need to choose my team members and and third parties that I partner with very carefully. Uh, if someone wants to pull you into court, they will, and it doesn't matter if they they have legal grounds to. So I'm especially careful. Um, you know, my my kind of chief consideration when I'm looking at third parties to partner with, of course, is you know what value do we, do we bring each other? But right next in line is how much do I trust this person? Uh, do I think that they're, you know, upstanding and that they're not going to try to do me wrong when when um, things get tough? Um, so I, I'd say that those are some skills I, I, I took away from, from my legal career. That's fascinating. I actually remember from an interview I saw of Steve Jobs when he was alive that he said that the most successful companies can be measured by their ability to attract very smart people. So I think that that skill is very underrated because it's not really talked about in business but being able to attract talent is one of the very uh, few keys that may help a business move forward and thank you for sharing evan i i also i'm very curious to ask you you know because we're in, uh, in the middle of a global pandemic What did your wife say when you told her you, you, that you decided to make a transition from law to entrepreneurship in the middle of a global pandemic? Well, pandemic aside, I think she always knew that this, was, this moment was going to come because I've just always had that entrepreneurial itch. You know, for the, the, the pandemic specific, however, in some way or in a lot of ways, I guess, it actually made it much easier. You know, I, I, for one, I could meet remotely with my team and, you know, we have... Uh, developers in Dallas. Uh, one of the co-founders is in Austin. We have some designers in Brazil. We have a developer in Chicago. And I think that the global pandemic just kind of made remote work both socially and culturally acceptable and regular. So so that I think that made it a lot easier. Also, just I had a far more flexible uh, work schedule with the law firm. I mean, I was sitting at home all day and, and certainly um, with law firms, you're, you're judged by your billable hours. So I've still kept my hours up, but it was easier for me to break away and think and, and commit some time to Colorcast and then come back to the law later. Uh, and that wouldn't have been as possible, I don't think, uh, in the office. And, and then maybe kind of most instrumental is we can meet with investors from across the country. So Dallas, Texas is not the most consumer tech oriented venture hub in the world. And so it was great for us to be able to talk with investors in New York and Chicago, uh, you know, LA, San Francisco on the coasts. And it, it seemed totally normal because again, everyone was meeting over Zoom. So 
they didn't think twice about taking the first meeting or the second meeting remotely. So your wife was totally okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. So back to the wife question. Yes. She was totally okay with it. She's, she's incredibly supportive. She believes in me. Um, she believes in the product. She back to back to the point you were making earlier. She knows that I've surrounded myself with people that are smarter than me. So, um, so I think she was, she's pretty comfortable that, that we're going to make it work. And, and if we don't, she'll, she'll be behind me, uh, either way. That's amazing, Evan. Uh, you're a lucky guy. And I think also the podcast that I made, it's also true that I've been able to do it mostly because of the pandemic, because now it's normal to meet on Zoom and have conversations. And I feel like before it was, it was going to be harder to find time for people to join calls. Like I've been able to, to call people from Australia and connect them to the show. Uh, you that you're in the US and I'm in Mexico. We can we can talk people from London. Israel, all over the world. So I feel like the pandemic opened doors that are making things available that weren't before. And I think that you also benefit from that, which I think is great. And I want to talk a little bit about, you know, switch over to ColorCast. I want to know the story behind it. And I want to know specifically, when did you realize there's a blue ocean of opportunity to create ColorCast? Yeah, so I tell the story just about every single investor pitch. So for any of our investors listening out there, sorry that you've heard this, but um, so uh, it was last last fall. Um, I was watching a Dallas Cowboys Thursday night football game, and I'm a huge Cowboys fan, so I watch every game. Uh, and for the first time in I think my entire life, I actually turned off the TV because the commentary was just so awful, uh, mispronouncing the players' names. You know, the commentators have to remain unbiased. Well, when I watch the Cowboys game, I want someone who's in the tank for the Cowboys. And so, and I think a lot of, or well, what we're finding is a lot of people feel the same way. So that was sort of the aha moment. I'm like, why, why am I listening to these guys? I should either, one, be able to listen to someone instead of them, or two, be able to listen to someone in addition to the, the commentators on the screen supplementing what they're saying commenting in and around them, criticizing the players, the coaches, the commentators. I think that was the aha moment. I will say, and, and for everyone out there that's listening, they should absolutely go look this up. The other kind of second aha moment, the validation, was um, I was watching a, or I saw on Twitter, a, a piece of what I'm now calling audio gold. And it was, um, it was Snoop Dogg at a Lakers game. And he gets invited down to the booth with the commentators. And for about two and a half minutes, he commentates the game with the commentators. And Snoop Dogg is just awesome. I mean, he has all his Snoop-isms. He, he's, he loves LeBron James. He loves Dwight Howard. And it was just fantastic to hear him uh, kind of supplementing the commentators. And, uh, and at that moment, I thought, wow, everyone should be able to do this. Not just Snoop, although... Snoop, if you're listening, we want you bad. Um, but anybody should be able to listen uh, and anyone should be able to commentate. And, and we kind of started from, from that premise. You know, I feel like sports will never be the same after you guys. I feel like there's opportunity in so many areas in sports and outside of sports as well. But I, I wonder if you already found product market fit. Is the product ready for the market? Who's the market? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, and, and maybe it'll be helpful to tell you a little bit about kind of where we are in product development. Uh, so we had a, what was it, a four and a half or yeah, about a, about a four and a half week beta phase where it was invite only. 
and and we were inviting casters on. We were inviting you know friends, family, and kind of others uh, investors on to to listen and to cast. And and last week we actually got on the App Store, and we're calling that our soft launch because we haven't put a single marketing dollar behind Colorcast yet. And frankly, we don't plan to do that until the momentum slows down because we're gaining more users every single day, every single week, every single month. In terms of product market fit, yeah, I think we've absolutely found product market fit. In fact, you know, one of my fir- one of my favorite um, data points that we have right now is that we have an over 90% caster retention rate. And what I mean by that is this, if someone gets on the platform and they cast in, let's just say an NFL game, there's a ni- over 90% chance that they'll do it again. Uh, and that's really fantastic because for us, we thought, you know, we're building a marketplace app here in a lot of ways. We need casters and we need listeners. But we thought, let's go after the casters first. Because if there's not good content and engaging content, then then we won't ever get any listeners on, right? So we started with the caster side of the equation. And in, as far as I'm concerned, uh, we've solved it. Now, I'm not going to sleep on that assumption. We're still doing things for the casters. We're obviously still recruiting more and more casters on. Uh, but I think we've built a platform that they really love. And so that's the first, the kind of one side of the equation. The other side is the listener side. And, and, and admittedly, we're still building out features for the listeners. And we're very, very focused on the listener right now. But I will say this. Our listener retention is also really, really high. Especially when they've been, when the listener comes to us via the caster. So, that, so the caster goes out and talks to his following and says, Hey, come listen to me on ColorCast. Those listeners are extra, as we say, sticky. They'll stay around. They'll listen to them. But beyond that, you know, I've got users texting me, messaging me, um, using our Instabug uh, feature to say, hey, we love what we're hearing here. Why don't you go get this caster? So, you know, they like the platform and they like the content. They want more content. So that's a, a good problem to have. I wonder what's the roadmap for now that you figure that users are liking it and the casters are creating content. What's next for your product in the next year, two years? What's the roadmap? How, how does it look like? Yeah, so one qualifier. We, are, we adjust the product roadmap often. Um, we're trying to follow the data uh, and we're trying to listen to our users as best as possible. So the roadmap is always in flux. And then also, without giving too much of the secret sauce away, I will tell you that the two things that we're most uh, interested in in working on right now is our uh, syncing strategy to make sure that the listener and the caster are looking at the same thing at the same time. Uh, And then we're building out tons of, or we're looking to build out tons of listener features. Uh, That's everything from being able to follow a caster to and follow a friend um, to be able to more, you know, more easily interact with the caster and with with their their buddy who's listening to the same cast, um, kind of these what we're we're calling it the um, you know our more social features. Um, so syncing and social are, are top of mind um, today. Uh, but uh, but again, it's it's kind of always in flux, and and we we don't want the product roadmap to be rigid. Um, we want it to follow uh, follow the users' demands. That's really interesting that you mention the social side. Mostly because I was reading this tweet in the morning about how social networks are copying each other. You know, the meme of the Spider-Man guy pointing at Spider-Man is like, you know, you're, you're the same guy. So it was, it, was, it was Twitter and then it was Snapchat and TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. Because, 
You remember how Snapchat started with stories and then Instagram copied. And then now you also have stories in LinkedIn and there's the fleets new thing in Twitter. Instagram created reels that copied TikTok. So everyone's copying everyone. And I wonder what's your take about how, how can you keep it social that you're unique and you're valuable and you're, and maybe you're also the most engaging platform there but you still have something that makes you unique and differentiates you from all the other platforms out there. What's the thing that will differentiate Colorcast from the rest? Yeah, I would say it's this. Uh, social is secondary on Colorcast. Social is a way to you know, make sure you know when your favorite caster is going on air. Uh, it's a way for you to be able to see who your friends are following and listening to. But what's going to really differentiate Colorcast and what's already differentiating Colorcast is the fact that we have, you know, rich, long-form audio content. I say long-form. It might not always be that way. But for now, if, you, if you're tuning into Colorcast, you're listening to a caster for an entire, you know, half of a, an NFL game or an entire NFL game. So it's not, it's less about the social and more about the content that's on there. Uh, and it's something that's very different than what you're seeing elsewhere. In fact... You know, one thing that I've always, uh, you know, I, I've, I've never liked about uh, the existing social platforms is that everything is so bite-sized, right? So it's 140 characters or it's a picture or, you know, you even see on Twitter now before you retweet a an article, it says, have you read this, right? Like everything is so bite-sized and and shallow, shallow compared to the deep content that we have, but everything's so shallow that... um we're trying to build something very different, more akin to a podcast. Uh, I'm a habitual podcast listener. And the reason I love podcasts is because the content is so freaking rich. I mean, that's why you have listeners to halftime snacks, right? They feel like it's rich content that they're not getting on any of the social platforms. And, and that's, that's our wedge as well. Yeah, I agree 100%. I feel like the short bite-sized content was a product of the decreased attention spans that millennials and even the younger generation is is demanding like i want everything in one line i just i don't care about the rest you know but i feel like we're all we're gonna go back to the more interesting long form quality content because that's where that's 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 where the the gold is a snack is a snack but you can't live snacking you need you, you need to <laughs> consume some actual food so yeah, what, what do you think about that? I, I would also, you know, challenge the idea that that people have short attention spans at the, and that they want these bite-sized pieces of media. I think that the that the social media companies right now are building for that because it's an easy way to get a ton of users fast. And look, if we wanted to get a ton of users fast on, on uh, Colorcast, we would build a TikTok clone just like everyone else. But that's not really our thesis. What we want to do, or, or kind of our mission, what we want to do is we want to have really, really, really rich content. And if the if if the the audience isn't there, then fine. I guess the business will fail. But I think that the audience is there, and we're already seeing that it's there. And and frankly, we want social and kind of media to move that in that direction so badly that we're willing to build that product and see who comes versus 
basically just scooping up all the low-hanging fruit with these uh, tiny bites of media. 100%, 100%, Devin. Since we're running out of time uh, here, and I want the listeners to get a sense of your spirit and your personality as an entrepreneur, I want to ask you about one habit that you're currently working hard to like fit into your life, your lifestyle, and why you choose that habit. Absolutely. This sounds a little strange, but I am a huge proponent of walking. I'm a, a big hiker. Um, I love being outside and I like running, but walking's better, uh, frankly. So one cool thing about being an entrepreneur and not being tied to my desk, like I was as a lawyer, always word processing, is that I can walk and work, I literally walk outside and work. And so I, I would say every day I walk at least five miles. Um, and while I'm doing that, I'm on Slack or I'm on my email or I'm taking calls. Um, I'll walk for hours and hours. And again, while that sounds strange, it actually um, increases my productivity, I feel like tenfold. Uh, it really helps with my creativity. And um, not to get too meta here, but there's this moment w when walking where you're kind of the rhythm of your thoughts and your heartbeat and your legs match. And in those moments, I feel like, again, I have a 10x um, productivity increase. And so I'm really trying to fit walking into my working lifestyle uh, because it's just all around goodness. So <laughs> I've been doing that pretty regularly and do not plan to stop. That's fantastic, Evan. I'm going to make sure I go for a walk today. And if you're listening to this right now, you better be walking. But I think that's a great place to wrap today's conversation, Evan. You're a great guy. I'm, gonna, I'm sure you're going to have lots of success with Colorcast or whatever it is that you end up doing afterwards. I'm sure your grandchildren will be happy to hear the story and will be also very happy to hear the halftime snacks then. But, you know, I want to thank you so much for your time and for your insights and, of course, your kindness. You're, you're an awesome person and hopefully we can meet up after the pandemic uh, to talk about sports and tech and everything else. But, you know, thank you so much for snacking with me, Evan. It was awesome to be on here. Thanks for running. Before you leave, I want to thank you for listening. To hear this or any other halftime snack, check out the full archive on my website, which you can find on the show notes. See you next week! <laughs>